in those early days, it really didn't hit me one because I was young and cocky and thought I could take on the whole world still, but also because I felt like I needed to assure my family that I was going to be fine. I wasn't going to be like granddad. I was going to beat this and, you know, not to worry. And I spent a lot of those early years really trying to comfort them and comfort the people around me and show them that things were going to be different with me. Everyone has a story to tell, and we invite you to join us for the Multiple Sclerosis Diagnosis Journey podcast and listen to these unique stories. Greetings, and welcome to the MS Diagnosis Journey podcast. I'm Laura Koloskowski, your host, and today it's my pleasure to introduce you to Devin Garlett. Hi, Devin. Hi, Laura. How's it going? Oh, it's really great here. So... I'm really curious about your diagnosis and how you found out that you have MS. So can you begin maybe with tell us what was physically wrong with you that sent you to the doctor? Sure. So back in the year 2000, I was, um, I was still in the middle of college. And one day I woke up and got out of bed and fell, fell right on my face. My legs just gave out and I fell down. I was able to get right back up and kind of shook it off and thought that, well, I was just going too hard. And, you know, I was in college, maybe I was partying too much. I also played ice hockey, thought maybe I was just just burning their candle at both ends. Throughout the day, I, I, I fell several other times. And I was like, okay, that's it's really weird. Uh, then the very next day, I happened again. I fell again. And then I had hockey practice that evening. And in the middle of warmups, like while on the ice, I, I fell and I couldn't get back to my feet. Had to be carried off the ice. Um, sat down, got was taken to the locker room, and eventually I was again able to walk again. I thought something's not right. I had some days off coming up for a break or something, so I I, I went home and explained to my parents that uh, you know I'm, I'm having some problems. I, I keep falling down, and then it happened in front of them. At which point they said, "What's well, Let's go to a doctor. I go to a doctor and explain what's going on. And again, I was, you know, I was probably the at the the fittest I ever was, the healthiest I ever was. Uh, you know, I was a college athlete. I was, you know, peak shape. Uh, but I, I kept falling down. While I was at the doctor's office, you know, he was confused. He even at one point said to me, you know, let me go back to my office and, and take a look at some books which is never like a really reassuring thing that you want to hear a doctor say. <laughs> yeah. Let, let me, let me check my college textbooks here. I know, I know you and I have never gone back and referenced any college books we have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he goes that after some time he comes back and he's not really sure. And he says he wants to admit me to the hospital for some tests. You know, I was like, oh, I can't do this. You know, I've got I've got to get back to school. I've got practice tomorrow. Like there's there's no way I can do this. And, you know, he tried to convince me otherwise, but I was pretty stubborn as I can be. And so I, he's like, all right, fine. We'll try to do some outpatient tests. And then I, I go to get up and, and fall right in the doctor's office and could not get up. At that point, they wheelchaired me over to the hospital across the street, 
I still could not get up and I was admitted to the hospital and they had no idea what was going on. I was in the hospital for about a week and they, at which, you know, they came up with all sorts of ideas. They thought maybe it was Guillaume-Barre syndrome. They, they really had no idea. They were grasping at straws. And despite the fact that I had a grandfather who was, who also had MS and who lived with us and was disabled with MS kind of been in the family, but they assured me, oh, that doesn't matter. We we think you're too young for this. There's no way it's MS. Eventually, after a week, I was I was able to walk again. It was like nothing had ever, well, almost like nothing had ever happened. And I was very, also very adamant. I'm like, I need to get out of here. I was discharged from the hospital. And after that began the probably a nine-month process of getting different tests done, MRIs, spinal taps, uh, you name it. I saw a couple of different neurologists, and they still weren't very sure. Uh, Finally, one doctor uh, did figure out that it was MS, and he's like, these are pretty clearly, these are lesions on your MRIs. He wasn't sure why no one else could figure it out, but he's like, this has MS. I was going to say, this, this neurologist is looking at the same MRIs that other doctors looked at and said, we don't know what it is, but he knew. Yeah, it, it took at least three, well, I don't know how many may have looked at it in the hospital, but at least two more doctors after the hospital for them, for someone to make the call and be like, okay, you've got MS. Despite like pretty blatant lesions on the MRIs, despite proteins in, in my spinal fluid, despite a grandfather who had MS, uh, it took that long for someone to finally say, yeah, this is clearly MS. That's nuts, Devin. That's, it is. That's just, I wonder if that's because this was back in 2000 and 2001, as opposed to maybe how people would be looked at now with diagnosing MS. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it really was because of the time and because of my age. I was, like I said, I was still, I was like, what, early, very early 20s. They kept thinking, well, you know, it looks like it could be MS, but you're too young for that. Which is so wrong because we know there's a whole pediatric population out there with multiple sclerosis. And and a lot of them are being ignored and their symptoms are being ignored with that same excuse, you're too young for MS. Oh, absolutely. It's a huge problem. And it's, it's terrible that younger ages are still experiencing it. I do think now if I were... 20 and went with the same symptoms now, I have a feeling that they'd probably call it. But back then, I was still considered too young to the doctors I saw anyway. Yep. Um, I mean, that's just it. You, you really need to see a doctor that has good experience with MS. I think that's that was true back then, and it's, it's still true today. So I, I got the call. Up by, I was at my parents' house. Uh, the phone rang, and they were like, it's the doctor. And he told me that I had MS and scheduled an appointment to go in and talk about treatments. And then I had to break it to my family, which was the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, again, because my grandfather had MS, and we lived with him. We helped care for him. He was completely bedridden. So my family really had a good idea of the very worst that MS could do. So they were all pretty devastated. I can imagine and I can relate because the hardest person I had to tell was my mother. And that's the only time I cried when I said I had MS because her older sister had MS and was diagnosed back in like the 1940s 
in the 50s before anything happens. So, and that was hard. It's, it's very hard to tell other people that you have this diagnosis, but especially to our parents. Yeah. And especially when they have firsthand experience with it. Yeah. And I know my grandfather, when he had, they would treat symptoms, but they, they had no real treatment for him that he was on to stop the, to halt the disease. So he was, he was in bad shape. So for that, that being their only real experience, I mean, they were devastated. I think it's the only, I know it's the only time I ever saw my, my father have tears, which is, you know, a pretty big deal, a pretty memorable thing. I really ended up in those early days. It really didn't hit me one because I was young and cocky and thought I could take on the whole world still, but also because I felt like I needed to assure my family that. I was going to be fine. I wasn't going to be like granddad. I was going to beat this and, you know, not to worry. And at least it's not like AIDS or cancer or something. I I listed everything I could think of really. I, I, I spent a lot of those early years really trying to put on the brave face and try to comfort them and comfort the people around me and show them that things were going to be different with me. I can see that. And you fit that, you're, what you're describing fits something my neurologist calls the young buck syndrome. Is oh, yeah, I'm tough and I'm going to beat this. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was me to a T. I thought, Hey, I'm different. I can, I can take on the whole world basically. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I still feel that way, but you know, um, <laughs> eventually MS did knock me down a few pegs, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same with you. I think I can take on the world every morning when I wake up and then I have to stand up and actually do it. And it's a different it's reality. reality. <laughs> <laughs> it starts out that way, but it drops off pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. When you were told this was MS, did you have any reason to doubt that diagnosis? It doesn't sound like you did. Nah, no, no reason at all. Like I said, my my whole family, we had so much experience with it that we thought for sure that it was MS. And we thought the doctors who didn't think it was MS were crazy, which is why we kept striving to get a different opinion. So we, it was expected. Yeah, this whole this whole process, though, of getting a diagnosis, to me, even though you had all the symptoms and you had all the tests, it still took a period of time. Yeah. And I, and I, mean, I, I really should have been someone that should have been pretty much a slam dunk. I mean, I, I, I've seen the MRIs and I know enough about the, the disease now that, I mean, it should have been an easy thing, but because of, I think because of my age, they, they were reluctant to, to make that call. Yeah. That just seems a crime that'll make you wait nine months to a year to know that for sure this is it. And, and right. And it is a crime because then that's like, that's nine months later that it took for me to start on a treatment and any kind of delay in treatment could, you know, who who knows what the difference my life could be had I started treatment earlier, you know? Exactly. Well, that's what I'm silently thinking here. So, well, do you have any tips or ideas or advice for people who suspect maybe they have MS and are on their own diagnosis journey and are listening to you thinking, "Uh uh-huh, it happened to him. It could be me. I mean, I think the most important thing is to remember to advocate for for yourself um, and to remember that not all doctors are created equal. Even the even doctors and medical staff with the best of intentions, not that not everyone has the skill and experience to diagnose MS. 
it's a specialty area for neurologists. I don't think you can, sure, every neurologist may be able to diagnose it, but I think you really need to see a specialist and you need to be willing to, you know, take the time to find a good specialist. You know, I, I always recommend looking for a university and see if they have an MS center. Go somewhere, see someone who is has experience with MS. And I think that's just so important. Well, I think that's great advice, Devin, and there you have it. Be sure to advocate for yourselves if you're on your own diagnosis journey. That's what you're listening to here is the MS Diagnosis Journey podcast. I'm Laura Koloskowski, and I encourage you to subscribe to our podcast and listen to all of our episodes. Thanks, and everyone have a great day. 